Uh, we've been in a series called Living a Life That Matters Now for the last several weeks. And uh, we've been asking the question, how, how can we live a life that really makes a difference? Uh, we have a God, as we mentioned a moment ago, who meets us right where we are. And, uh, and no matter where we are, where we've been, or what we've done, our God opens his arms to us. And through his grace and mercy, he invites us to become his children. Amen. And if you've never accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I, I just want to invite you today to open your heart and life to him because he can forgive everything that's behind you and he can give you a brand new future. If any man be in Christ, he's a brand new creation. The old is gone and behold, all things become new. But receiving Christ is just the beginning. God doesn't want us to simply be forgiven. He wants to live, help us to live lives that really matter. And, and that's what we've been talking about in this series. We've been tracking through the life of Moses and just looking at how God took him and began to mold him and shape him and use him. And we, we've been learning these lessons along the way about what it means to really open our lives and to let God flow through us. Yeah, and today, I want to give you what's probably going to be the hardest challenge of all the things that we've talked about thus far. I think today's is going to be the hardest challenge for most of us because if there's one part of it all that we don't do well, it's probably this part. You ready? I want us to look at the passage of Scripture in Numbers chapter 27. If you remember last week, um, we, we looked at the story of how Moses uh, kind of flaunted his authority before God and struck the rock with the staff. You remember that? And we talked about how instead of obeying God and giving God the glory, Moses tried to flex his muscles and take the glory. And as a result of that sin, God said, you know, Moses, you're gonna get, well, I'll let you see the promised land, but you're not going to enter into it. You're not going to get to take the people in, into the promised land. And in Numbers chapter 27, Moses is realizing that, you know, he's not going to go very much further on this journey with the people. The people need a new leader. And so here's what happens. We, we're going to pick it up, pick up the chapter beginning at verse 18. And it says, and the Lord replied, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him and lay your hands on him. Present him to Eleazar the priest before the whole community and publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him so the whole community of Israel will obey him. When direction for the Lord is needed, Joshua will stand before Eleazar the priest who will use the Urim with one of the sacred lots cast before the Lord to determine his will." This is how Joshua and the rest of the community of Israel will determine everything they should do. So Moses did as the Lord commanded. He presented Joshua to Eleazar the priest and the whole community. And Moses laid his hands on him and commissioned him to lead the people just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. <clears throat> In 2008... Um, Something uh, really strange happened in the, uh, the Olympics in China. Both the men's and the women's uh, 4 100 relay race, both of them did not qualify uh, past the first round of the Olympics. And they both 
missed that opportunity to compete in the Olympics for the same reason. Does anybody remember what that reason was? Both the men's and the women's relay teams dropped the baton. Throw that picture up on the screen for me, would you? You can see in the men's handoff, instead of the clean handoff, you see the runner reaching back, but instead of putting it in his hand, they fumbled the baton and they dropped it to the ground, and the men's team didn't even finish the race. Throw the next picture up on the screen. You can see the same thing in the women's handoff. As he was trying to put it in her hand, lost control of the baton, it dropped. Uh, She ended up eventually turning around, going back and getting the baton and completing the race, but they were dead last in the race. Neither team, for the first time since 1948, 60 years since the women's team had not qualified to get into the the Olympics uh, because both teams dropped the baton. Now, look at me. You, You can't miss this. When we talk about running the race for God, here's what we have to understand. This is a relay race. This is a relay race. This is not a sprint. It's not even a marathon. It's a relay race. And our race is not over until we have firmly placed the baton in the hand of the runners who are coming after us. Now, if you, if you can let that thought sit in your mind for just a second, here's my question. Who's replacing you? To whom are you placing the baton of faith in their hand? You know, we, we have one of our, our four focal points as a church um, is preparing the next generation for faith and leadership. And one of the things that is very important to us is the realization that all of us are getting older. How many of you are discovering that? Yeah, every day I get up and my, my leg doesn't want to get out of bed. You know, I realize I'm getting, we're getting older. And what we realize is that we're always, this is so scary, but we are always just one generation from extinction as a faith. And so it's really important to us as a church to say, how do we do that? What's one of the reasons why when even down in our children's ministry, we put kids up on stage to, to help lead in worship. It's why you will see youth up on our stage as a part of the band. Uh, Rachel, Pastor Rachel, who is, I don't even know if she's 40 yet. Uh, Pastor Rachel just a week ago was laughing. She came to my office. She was laughing. She said, do you realize? She goes, I've got to get my dad back on stage more. I was the oldest person on stage last Sunday. And I thought, isn't that great? Isn't that great? Because what we know is we have to constantly raise new people up, new leaders up. We, like Moses, have to be aware. We're not, we're not going to go on this journey forever. We have to put this baton in the hands of those who are coming after us. Now, that's something that we have to do not just as an organization, as a church, or as ministries. Look at me, gang. We have to do that in our individual lives. Now, I want you to I want you to think these thoughts with me. When you say, well, Pastor Steve, what does that really mean to hand off the baton? And and as I camped on this thought, here's what I realized. It's not just one way that we do this. This is a theme all through Scripture, and it plays out in a few different areas. Can I share those with you? If you want to track with me on your outline, just just follow along. Here's the first one. We, We do that, or God is intended for us to do that through parenting. He's intended for us to do that through parenting. 
One of the things that a lot of people who go to church in the 21st century don't understand is God never intended for the church to be the ones to teach your children the ways of God. God intended that we as parents and grandparents would do that. And as a church, we're certainly there to supplement it with programs, and we're certainly there to create ways to engage. But God's intention would be that the understanding of him and what it means to be a follower of Christ is supposed to happen from parents to children, from generation to generation. Look at the passage of Scripture from Deuteronomy 6, verses 6 and 7. Read it out loud with me. It says, always remember these commands that I give you today. Be sure to teach them to your children. And so whether we're parents or grandparents, a part of the, uh, of the responsibility that's got to be on our radar is how am I, as a parent or grandparent, handing off this baton of faith to my children or to my grandchildren? How am I making sure they receive what the Lord has given me? Does that make sense to you? Another way that it's supposed to happen is through discipling. It's through discipling. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19. Read it with me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. Now, Sadly, the last statistic I read said that about 96% of people who call themselves Christians have never led anyone else to Christ, which I think is a really sad commentary on how valuable we think our faith is. Because if I really believe that God is who he said he is and Jesus Christ really did what I say he did, then somewhere along the way, I think I ought to be looking for opportunities to share that with a few other people who might need to hear. Amen? We might want to do that. But discipling is not just about leading someone to Christ. Discipling is also about coming alongside of younger believers just to guide them in the faith. Uh, Paul talks about this in his letters, about older men teaching younger men and older women teaching younger, young, younger women. Uh, but along the way, uh, a part of our responsibility is, is to just be eyes open to who might God have me come alongside of on, on the journey just to be able to share with some of them some of the experiences that I've had. Some of us have had the privilege, and I'll bet if we could call out names, you would have some of, of older saints who you had the privilege of sitting down with and, and letting them pour into you. Uh, I remember, forget a, a camp meeting that I was speaking at years ago in, in Louisiana, and I met this old guy right after the, for the first service. He came up and was very complimentary and gave me some encouragement, and I'll never forget him talking to me and just saying, uh, would you like to come to my trailer for some figs and ice cream? <laughs> oh, I never pass up ice cream. I don't care what you're putting it on. I never, never heard of figs and ice cream, but I'm, if ice cream, I'm in. And I never forgot, I went and I met this guy and he began to talk. He began to tell me the stories of when he was young and how he and his family would just go into a town that God would lead them to and they would just start a church. They would just start meeting people and, and set up a little Bible studies, and then that little Bible study would grow to church, and how he did this from town to town to town. And I, I'm, and I went every night that week, every single night that week, I went to this guy's trailer for figs and ice cream, just simply sat at his feet and just listened to him tell stories of how God used him, the trials they went through, and how God sent through it. And I'm just, I'm a young pastor, I'm just drinking this stuff in. 
And I'll never forget, man, when I finished that week uh, the, and I was getting ready, I was going to be leaving the next day. As I was getting ready to walk out of the trailer, I just turned around and I just, I knelt in front of him and I just said, would you do me the privilege? Would you lay your hands on me and pray for me? And it was just an incredible experience to have this guy who was so close to God bless me and, and ask God's blessing upon my ministry. You see, you're never too far along in the faith to be discipled by someone else, and you're never too far back in the faith to be discipling people who are coming along behind you. That's a part of what God wants us to do. Does that make sense to you? Through parenting, through discipling. The, the third part is through mentoring. It's through mentoring. <clears throat> and this is a bit of what Moses was doing with Joshua. This is where we're talking about ministries. And, and, and coming alongside of people who are going to take this on. Um, I love how Paul said this to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Read it out loud with me. He says, now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. In other words, Paul's saying, Timothy, I've spent this time pouring myself into you so that you know how to become a, a, a pastor or a preacher of the gospel. Now you teach these things to other men who are going to do the same and teach them to other men. Now, Here's all I want, I want you to think about. All of us are engaged in some form of service or ministry, I hope, somewhere, somehow. The question I have for you is who's going to replace you? Are you thinking about the fact that along the way, somewhere you're going to have to step aside from what you do? And, and, and have you thought about the fact that it might be important for you to be mentoring someone who can step into your place when, like Moses, it's time for you to give up the reins? It is scary how many ministries and, and people who are leading in significant places for God have never thought about the fact that they don't get to do this forever. And we don't. Amen? Now, I want to give you, I want to give you just in uh, the time I have left, I, I want to give you a few really key thoughts for you to think about as, as you just take this home. And again, I, I just want this to, to really start the conversation with you and hope that you will spend some time with God asking him how you can put this into practice. Here, here's the first thought I want to give you. As you think about passing the baton, be intentional. Be intentional. I put this statement on your outline. Faith and the future of ministry is too important to leave to chance. I'm going to say that again. Faith and the future of ministry is too important to leave to chance. For most of us in our Christian walk, we hope it happens along the way. And I'm going to tell you that a failure to plan is a plan to fail. And, and so you need to be thoughtful about and prayerful about, Lord, how, how can I do this and what might this look like? In fact, even Jesus did. Look at this in Luke chapter 12 as he was choosing his disciples. Read it, read it out loud with me. It says, one day soon afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain to pray and he prayed to God all night. And at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. Do you see the thoughtfulness of Jesus in this? 
Jesus didn't just hope along the way that a few of these guys would catch this and leave the responsibility for the church. Jesus, in, in the context of ministering to people, chose, three, chose these 12 to spend three years pouring his life into them that the church might be built upon their ministry. Thoughtfulness. When we talk about doing this in our families, you know, again, it's, we, we, we need to do more than just hope this faith is passed on. We need to have some, some intentionality to it. When are the times that we're leading our family to pray? When are the times that we're opening the word of God for our children? When are the times that we are talking directly to them about the faith? When we're, if we're gonna disciple someone, it's great to have conversations and it's great to just walk alongside wherever they might be on their journey, but but isn't there a time, too, to sit down and say, maybe if we walk through some stuff together, maybe this will help you. Walk through a book of the Bible together or a chapter of the Bible together. Or there is right now just a, a plethora of great discipleship kinds of material out there that you can use. Wanda had a great experience with this several years ago. Um, she was in a conversation with a woman who was a little distressed um, in our church. She had had a there was a, a young girl who had passed away, and as Wanda was talking, um, had, had run into this gal from our church out in the park and was talking to her, and, and she was just kind of opened up to Wanda and said, you know, I just, I'm really struggling that God would let this little girl die. And Wanda said, you know, that's a fair question, and this gal had, you know, didn't really have a, a strong faith background, and so in the course of conversation, Wanda eventually said, well, would you like to maybe sit down together and walk through some stuff together? And she said, yes. And so she began to meet regularly with Wanda. Wanda used this little book. It was called One-on-One -on -One Discipling. And it talked about who is God and what's God up to and what does God want to do in your life. And it was so cool. But in the process of walking through this little booklet together over the course of weeks, Wanda had the privilege of leading this young lady to Jesus Christ. And she committed her life to Christ, and this began the roots of her journey of faith. But she didn't just leave it to chance. She took some stuff that she knew was going to take her in a direction, and she walked her there. Does this make sense to you? Faith and the future of ministry is too important to leave to chance. Second thing I would say to you is be relational. Be relational. And here's what I mean by that. People buy into you before they buy into the God you represent. People buy into you before they buy into the God you represent. When I was thinking about this idea of passing on the baton, here, here's one of the things that we know. More of faith is caught rather than taught. And here's, here's my challenge to us. When we think about raising our children in the faith, or when we think about discipling people, or we think about mentoring people, here's, here's the part that's got to be so important. We have to care more about them than we do the outcomes of what's happening. Because, look at me, hear my heart, nobody wants to be a project Nobody wants to be a project. People want to be loved unconditionally just as they are. And I can't tell you how many times I've, I've seen it. And, and, and honestly, if we're, if, we're, if we're truthful, sometimes this is what gets in the way with us, particularly as parents. 
because I'm, I'm telling you, you just can't be mean all the time to your kids and expect them to chase after this God that you say that loves them with all their heart. Does that make sense to you? I mean, I don't know how about y'all, but you know, you ever you ever look around and growing up in church, and you know, and here's you know, seeing one of the one of the dear saints, you know, singing, got a got a kid standing behind him, and the kids are going to be kids, and the kids are moving around a little too much, and they're you know, they're singing, you know, there is joy in the Lord, there is joy in the Lord, hallelujah, glory, glory. Can I just say out loud that doesn't really convey much of the heart of Christ. People need to know that you love them and that you're going to be there for them just as they are. Be relational. I love what Paul says in Ephesians 5. Read it with me, church. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love following the example of Christ. Third thought I would give you is, as we're, as we're leading and handing off this baton, let them share in their personal growth. Let them share in their personal growth. Here, here's what I mean by that. This isn't just about uh, passing on information. This is a developmental process. Um, what people hear, they forget. What people see, they understand, um, or they remember. Let me say that again. I'm getting my own. I, I'm old. I can't remember it either. What they hear, they forget. What they see, they remember. But what they do, they understand. And so, a part of this is allowing people to 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 grow in this. I'm, I'll, I'll explain. I'll explain this for you. Look at look at what uh, God says to to Moses in twenty seven twenty. A part of that passage that we read. Read read that again out loud with me. It says, "Transfer some of your authority to him, so that the whole community of Israel will obey him." Now, what, what is God saying? God's saying, Moses, don't wait until you're gone and expect Joshua just to step up and take over. In other words, start now. Give him leadership authority now. Let him make some decisions. Do some leading. You can guide him through this process, but transfer some authority now so that Joshua, by the time you die, he'll already have learned what it means to be a leader. And, and as I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, this just makes sense all the way through, no matter what it is that we're doing, whether we're parenting, whether we're discipling, or, or whether we're mentoring, handing off the baton is allowing people to share in that personal growth. Um, there's a, a, a great story. Um, well, let me give you that quote. I, I just love this. It says, give a man a fish and he can eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he can eat for how long? for a lifetime. Great story uh, you may have seen in the news. There is a, um, a police officer here last year uh, in Louisville. Uh, her name was Jan Dykes. Jan was uh, on patrol one morning and she was going by a bus stop. And as she was heading by this bus stop, uh, a little boy looked to be maybe seven years old a uh, little kid steps out and he starts flagging her down. And she's like, what's going on? And so she pulls over, she gets out of her car and she comes over to this little boy 
And she says, are you in trouble? Is there something I can do to help you? And the little boy says, can I pray for you? And the little officer, Jan, looks at this boy and says, well, well, certainly. She said, I, I, I want to pray for you that, God, you know, that you'll be protected today and that you'll have a good day and that I'll have a really good day at school. Throw that picture up on the screen. And so this officer kneels in front of this little boy. And she said, this little boy prayed. He prayed that God would bless her, that God would watch over her. Prayed that God would help him to, to have a great day. Prayed that, you know, prayed that she would, you know, that she would be okay today and, and thank the Lord for her. And he had this, this beautiful little moment. And Jan Dyke said when it was over, he said, he, this little kid had no idea how much that meant to her that day. And she, you know, after he prayed, uh, she, she left, finished her patrol. At the end of the day, when she knew the uh, you know, school would be out, she came back. But she never, she never did see the kid again. She never did spot him again. But she said, uh, she posted this on social media. She goes, I hope somehow word gets back to him about how much this meant. Now, here, here's the part I want you to get. A kid who has never prayed out loud before could have never done that. I don't want you to miss this. You see, somewhere in this kid's growing up, he had parents or grandparents who didn't just pray in front of him. They had him pray. This is the sharing in his growth. They had, it, may, it may have started when he was very young and put him to bed and said, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. I don't know how it began, but somewhere along the way, he was praying enough on his own that he was comfortable enough to flag down a police officer and pray for them at a very tender young age. Does this make sense to you? You see, along the way, when we're, when, when we're handing off that baton, we've got to realize this isn't about us doing this for them. This is about us allowing them the privilege of learning how to feed themselves. You see, this is why as parents, it's not just about uh, us reading Bible stories to our kids. It's about allowing our kids to read stories on their own and asking them questions about what they're learning so that they can feed themselves because there will come a day when we won't be there to read anymore. Amen. Amen. Let me give you one more. As you think about handing off the baton, be patient and encouraging. Be patient and encouraging. When I was processing this message, one of, the, one of the things that hit me is that sometimes the people that we're trying to raise up in the faith as children and grandchildren or people we're trying to disciple or people we're trying to mentor, they're just people. And sadly enough, from time to time, they're going to act like people. And sometimes when they're not living up 100% to the things that we're teaching them or the things we're wanting them to do, or maybe they don't do it the way we want them to do it, sometimes it's real easy for us to give up on them or, or to be very harsh and condemning with them. And, and I want to challenge you with this thought of being as patient and kind with them as the Lord God is with you. <laughs> 
Um, Paul was a really smart man as an apostle, but he almost made a really big mistake. If you remember the story in Acts 15, right after the Jerusalem Council, Paul and Barnabas were going to take off together for a, for a missionary journey. But Barnabas wanted to take along John Mark. And Paul didn't like John Mark. John Mark had bailed on him at a, on another missionary journey, and Paul didn't tolerate people who bailed. And so Paul said, he's not coming with me. And here's what the scripture says. And their disagreement was so sharp that they separated. Paul and Barnabas separated. Barnabas took John Mark with him and sailed for Cyprus. Now you say, well, so what? John Mark traditionally is the man that we understand that wrote the gospel of Mark that we now have in the New Testament. Probably a good thing Barnabas didn't give up on him. Amen? Now, I've been a pastor for a long time, over 40 years. And I'm going to tell you there have been lots of times along the way I could look at an audience and I could tell you when I was done preaching, I didn't think people heard a word I said. And what I had to come to understand was that's okay. Because my job isn't to change people. My job is to simply present the Lord Jesus Christ in his word and allow God to do his work in their hearts. Does that make sense to you? We, when Wanda and I were um, volunteers in the church in, in Houston, Texas some years ago, uh, we, I was still in college. Wanda was working there in, in Houston. And we had a, a group of, we were, they had asked us to work with the teenagers at our, at our church. And so we were the volunteers that ran the, church, the youth ministry and had a Sunday school class. And I'll never forget we had a, a couple of kids whose dad was studying for ministry. And you could tell they were kids, they were teenagers who were made to come to church and they didn't want to be there. And they made it clear they didn't want to be there. And uh, the girl of, of, the, of the group, her name was Phyllis. I'll never forget, Phyllis was just, I would get up to teach and she would look at me and just scowl. Give me the ugliest face she could look. And I'll never forget one Sunday morning I got up and about five minutes into my, into my talk that Sunday morning uh, in the class, she turned her chair around so that her back was to me. That's called being obstinate. They were in our class for a year. And at the end of that year, again, I'd have told you that there's nothing, not a word I said made it through that hard head. And Wanda and I ended up um, leaving there, and then during the next year, they moved away. And next year after that was when Wanda and I ended up coming to Chartel as youth pastors, and we went on through ministry. And we were here for six and a half years, or six years, and then in Olathe, Kansas for three years, and then we were in Pennsylvania. <clears throat> so about 10 years after we had had Phyllis in class, one day we got a letter in the mail. It was from Phyllis. And in her letter, she said, ran into an old classmate a while back, and as we got talking about the old days, I asked her if she knew where you guys were, and she had your address, and so I thought I'd write you a letter. She goes, I want to apologize for how I acted when I was in high school. She goes, Our family was going through a tough time, and she goes, I was just at a dark place, and she goes, I know I didn't make life easy on you. That was an understatement. She said, but as we left, and she goes, when we left and our family went on, she goes, I, eventually, she goes, I, my heart softened, she goes, and I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And 
And she said, as I, as I began to grow in my faith, she goes, I, I want you to know. She goes, I know it must have seemed like I wasn't listening to anything you were saying. She goes, but I want to assure you, I heard every word. I didn't want you to know I heard every word, but I had heard every word. She goes, what's funny is now I'm married and I have a couple of kids of my own. And not long ago, the church asked us to be the youth sponsors for, their, for the church. He goes, it's funny. God has, sure has a sense of humor and a way to turn things around. And I started picturing, Wanda and I started laughing, picturing her and her husband as now the youth sponsors like we used to be. And I went, justice, you know. <laughs> I said that to say this. I know sometimes when you're trying to pour yourself into your kids and your grandkids, you can get discouraged. I know sometimes there are people that you're trying to disciple along the way, and they've got issues and struggles, and they're up and they're down, and sometimes you're, you're fearful that you're just never going to make it, and you want to give up. I know there are some times that you're trying to hand off the baton of your ministry, and, and it just doesn't seem like people are going to get it, or this person's going to get it. Look at me. Be patient and encouraging. God did not give up on you. Don't you dare give up on them. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, uh, as we come before you today, I, I know this is one of those topics that we, we really don't spend nearly enough time talking about in the church. But it's one of the great truths that we have to come to terms with. None of us in this room are going to be on this earth forever. There's going to come a day. For some of us, it's going to come sooner than later. That God, we have to let go of this life. We have to let go of these things. And we go take our place in eternity with those who have gone before us. Lord, remind us today. This is not a sprint. It's not a marathon. This run of faith, this race of faith is a relay race. Would you help us to be careful and intentional and prayerful about putting that baton in the hands of someone else as we run? Father, I pray that you would teach us the art of passing on this faith to our kids and our grandkids. Lord, I pray that you would help us to reach out and, and make contact with, with those who are maybe a little younger in the faith and allow us the privilege of coming alongside of them and, and helping them to grow in their journey for Christ. So easy to grow discouraged. And Lord, everybody needs someone who can come alongside them and encourage them and pray with them. And Father, I pray particularly for those of us who are in various forms of ministry. Father, I pray that you would help us to do as Moses did, and that is to make sure that there's someone there to replace us when you call us home to eternity. God, help us to understand faith and the future of ministry is too important to leave to chance. Lay it on our hearts, O oh God, and may we hand off the baton well. In your precious name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Amen.